But anybody else in the Christmas spirit right now? Oh, it's upon us. Man, I'm so excited. So yesterday, my wife and I, Ashley, we did a little bit of um, Christmas shopping. And I got to experience what I think is one of my favorite parts of Christmas. I'm kind of a little bit of an old soul and a little nostalgic with a couple things. But I love being in a department store that's fully decorated with Christmas music playing. I don't know if you can relate. Maybe it takes me back in the day whenever I would circle, you know, Ninja Turtles or whatever in like a catalog and these are the things I want for Christmas. But like, I just remember that I love that part of the experience. The music, the tunes are so much a part of the Christmas experience. Um, I was doing a little bit of study this, excuse me, this week and in 2017, so it's kind of an old study, but in 2017, Spotify did some research on streaming Christmas music, and what they found is that during the weeks leading up to Christmas, it only makes up about 10% of all of its streaming data. But then comes Christmas morning, and it spikes to a whopping 25% of all music streamed is Christmas music. And I think we have one person to thank. Does anybody know the most streamed song during Christmas? Yes, her first name starts with Mariah, her last name starts with Carrie. Absolutely. We can thank Mariah Carey that she brings in the holiday season on Christmas when she's blasting all I want for Christmas is you. So hey, we're starting a new series today. It's called Holly Jolly Christmas. And we're actually going to use the idea that they're actually songs that are in our Bible. And they play out over the entire story as we lead up to the birth of Jesus. And I get the privilege of kicking this off today with Maria's song, or we know her as Mary, and we're going to talk about Mary's song today. I'm, I am super stoked. And so what I want you to do is go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38 in your Bible. You can turn enter on it. If you don't have it, it's going to be on the screen. But what I really want to do is before we get to her song, walk through a little bit of her story, and then I think it's going to make her song make a lot more sense. So we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth. That's going to be important in a little bit. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming into her, he said, greetings, favorite one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and was wondering, what kind of greeting is this? And the angel said, do not be afraid. I love how in our Bible, how angels often have to say, do not be afraid. Because it's like, sir, this is literally the most terrifying moment of my entire life right now. Uh, I'm struggling not to be afraid. <laughs> but he says, don't be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Amen, man, to that. But Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason, also the holy child will be called the son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth herself has conceived a son in her old age, which I thought was kind of a dig, in her old age, and who is called infertile is now in her sixth 
month for nothing will be impossible with God. Come on, somebody. And Mary said, behold, the Lord's bondservant. May it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. A couple questions I think we can ask ourselves as we go through this story today. And the first one is, do you know that God sees you? Do you know that God sees you? Maybe you walked in the room today and you felt unseen. Maybe you've been passed over by a promotion at work. You know, maybe you've been trying to cultivate a relationship with someone and you've been taking more steps in their direction than they've taken in yours. Maybe you just feel a little unseen in life. Or maybe you feel maybe even insecure about your origin story or your past or where you come from or something you maybe experienced in life. I wrote down a note. I don't think this is for me. I really do think it's for somebody that was either in the room earlier or is going to be in the room now or later today. But maybe you feel like you look gray to God. Like you just look gray. Like you've prayed for things and nothing's happened. You believed for things and nothing happens. You just feel like you're unseen. And I want to let you know that God absolutely sees you and he can see you from anywhere. So in verse 26, it says that Mary is from Nazareth, which in Hebrew is Nazar Eitz. Nazar is branch. Eitz is wood. So Mary is, she's literally from the sticks, right? Every, I started my life in Calhoun County. I live in Kershaw County now. I know all about the sticks, right? Mary is from the sticks. She's not really from anywhere significant when you look at it, but it's actually really important that she is from Nazareth because it's promised that Jesus, the Messiah, is going to come from there because he's going to be a branch in David's family. And it really brought me to this really high theological point. You're going to have to like hold on tight for this one. This one's going to be a big one. But it's like uh, Mary's just a small, she's just a, she's just a small town girl. She's just living in a lonely world. And she's about to take a midnight camel to Bethlehem. <laughs> I spent like this much of the time working on that and like this much of the time for the rest of the message. It's, I'm going to get fired. But anyway. <laughs> but maybe, yeah, don't stop believing, man. Maybe, who knows. Um, but God sees us no matter what our origin story looks like. He knows where we're from. And he knows everything about our past. And I love that the angel said twice that she had found favor with God, which is really kind of interesting when you think about it because she isn't from somewhere that's significant. Like I said, maybe you can relate to that. But check this out too. She's a teenager. She's literally probably 15 or 16 getting this message from an angel. Bible scholars believe she's probably 17 when she gives birth to Jesus. So she doesn't have a lot of life experiences. She doesn't come from money, nor would she even enter into a relationship where she's wealthy or is affluent. There's a story after Jesus is born where her and Joseph are giving in a temple, and they literally give the smallest offering possible. So what in the world does she have going for if she doesn't have things that, that we use to see someone else? I want to show you what she has going for, you, for her. Number one is that she's a virgin. You're like, what does that have to do with anything? It means this, in the eyes of God, she hasn't compromised her purity or her integrity. God sees people who do not compromise character and integrity. And she's made God a priority too. Even if she's just a teenager, so much about her life is made God a priority. So when we get to her song, you're gonna see it's actually a remix. It's not even original. 
Everything she's saying is scripture. Their previous Psalms. And here's what I think is important to know about that. She's likely 15 to 16 years old. She does not own a scroll or a copy of any part of the Hebrew Bible. But she's memorized scripture. We work here, and I mean, I couldn't come up here and be able to read this without having it on my iPad right now. But she's memorized scripture. She has a deep heart connected to God. And I love, too, she says, Lord, whatever you want to do, I'm on board with it. I love that about her. She says, I'm on board with it. This sounds crazy, but I'm never going to be able to counter the miraculous if I'm not willing to accept the ridiculous right now. She said, I'm going to go, God, if you're in it, I'm going to go on the ride with you. I want to give you a thought today. If you want godly favor in your life, if you want to be seen and get that favor, I want to let you know that faith precedes favor. Faith precedes favor. Let me give you Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For the one who comes to God must believe that he exists, that means he is who he says he is, and that he proves to be the one who rewards those who seek him. God's favor follows faith and trust in him. Not only was Mary seen, but she was seen for the right things too. And here's what I love about this story too, is in the scene where she's with the angel, the angel gives her, she, the angel gives her comfort in so many, so many different forms. And really two ways I want to bring to your attention is that even though God sees her, he's not expecting her to do it alone. The first thing it says is that she's going to have God's spirit, that God's spirit is going to come upon her. We, like I just said, Mary is very steeped in like all Israelite culture. And so she's sitting there thinking, how in the world am I going to have a kid? And the angel says, because the Lord's spirit will come upon you. What does that mean? It means this. She's thinking in her Bible, the very second verse of the entire Bible, there is a world that has not yet been created. And who is there? Lo and behold, God's spirit. We get to the second chapter of Genesis. No human exists. God makes a mud man. He takes a bunch of sand and a bunch of dirt and makes a mud man. And he said he breathes his breath into this person. He's made of mud in Genesis chapter 2, verses 7. Breath is ruach in Hebrew. Ruach also means spirit. God departed part of his spirit to create. God's spirit is a creator. And if it's in us, it has to create, it can create, it can, it can bring dead things back to life. It can make old things seem new. Maybe there's something you're struggling with. Like, God, I just need some help with this. God's spirit is a creator. But the angel said that God would go with her too. So that God would overshadow her. Meaning this, God is near, he's not far. Even though we feel unseen sometimes, God is near he isn't far. So remember, she knows a ton about Israelite culture. Well, in her mind, she's thinking, well, there's a story where my people are leaving Egypt and we're wandering the desert to go to this promised land. And how in the world do we know where to go? Well, lo and behold, God said that he would be like a pillar of fire at night and that he would be like a cloud overshadowing us during the day. And then they set up the very first portable church ever in the history of time in the middle of the desert. And he said that you're going to know I'm there because you're going to see a cloud rest over it. So Mary's thinking, if God is with me, then why wouldn't I say yes to this? And the crazy thing is that there's so much imagery pattern here, it actually means something for us today. So remember I said that at that point in time when they're traveling in the desert, that God said that he would be like a pillar of fire traveling in the dark. Well, this is cool. 
when we hit the New Testament, and whenever Jesus comes, he dies for our sins. He resurrects, and he says, I'm going to leave my spirit with you. We enter into a scene where Peter is preaching. 3,000 people come to Christ. They're speaking in tongues that are not their own. And the Bible says it's as if fire rested over each and every one of them, meaning this, Mary's experience that only happened for certain people at certain times for certain reasons, and within her, she was about to be the intersection of heaven and earth. But because of God's spirit, guess where it is now? It's in us. We carry the intersection of heaven and earth deeply within us. God sees us. We gotta keep going in the story though. Luke chapter one, verses 39 through 45. Switching gears, we're moving from the angel at this point that she's actually going to see Elizabeth. Now at this time, Mary set out and went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. She's carrying John, John the baptizer right now. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. I love this story. This is not the direction we're going to go today, but when God gives you a revelation, um, he's going to send some people in your life that are going to confirm that. And we get to see that in this story. That's not where we're going with this one. But I do have a question for you. Do people know what you're carrying? Do people know what you are carrying? It's undeniable when Mary gets in proximity to Elizabeth that, I mean, it just brings everything to life. Everything in the room comes alive. And I'm just curious, have you experienced the exact same thing? So if you've been a part of our church for a while, um, or if you're, if you're new and you're passing through the camp, any campus, you're going to see a list of values that are on the wall. And that's kind of who we are as a church. And um, you probably heard them taught to you uh, if you're in a life group or on a team at some point in time. But even as a staff, uh, we actually have a set of core values as well. And I want to share one with you today. I think it's going to be helpful. It's called We Light Up Rooms. We Light Up Rooms. What's the practical behind that? It's, it's super simple. Hey, man, when we show up, we got to bring the juice. We got to bring the noise. We got to bring the volume. We got to bring the electricity. Fill in whatever you want after that. But it's our job as staff members to whenever we walk into a room, that we let everybody know, hey, hope is here. We've got this thing. God's with us. And with him, we can do absolutely anything. Like the angel said, what in the world is even impossible for God? It is our job to light up rooms. But spiritually, that means we have to be life-giving. Light and dark, they contrast each other. They don't coexist. They contrast each other. So when you light up a room, it means that if the room's negative, all of a sudden, you're going to start talking positivity, and we're going to start being life-giving. If the room's confused, God's a God of order. We're going to start putting things into order. And at worst, if the room is immoral or evil, it's our job to best represent Jesus. I want to tell you guys, like, one of the coolest compliments I've ever received in ministry, and it happened this past summer, and you're going to see where I'm going with this. And it actually came in the form of a question. So uh, I got asked to go pray with a guy. Um, he, had, uh, he had overdosed on drugs, and this would have been um, uh, 
probably the second time uh, this had happened. It happened multiple times in his life. And he was in a really bad spot. Like, they didn't know if he was going to have any cognitive function um, kind of coming out of this. And so he's on a ton of medicine, a lot of experimental stuff. And so they're really trying to help this guy out. So I went to go pray with him. Never met him before in my entire life. And so I walk in the room, and here's what I do. I think this is like one of the only things like the Lord has given me is like, I have the ability to treat people as if I already know them. Like I'll pal around, I'll, I'll say, I'll act, you know, really familiar. And so I'm in there, you know, I'm hitting them on the leg. Man, what, what are you doing in here, man? Come on, what's, what's, what's going on? You know better than this. You know, and I'm coaching him up a little bit and I'm talking to him and just, just speaking some life into him. Man, come on, you know better than this. Tell me about your family. Oh, dude, we gotta get you out of here, man. You, gotta, you, gotta, you got some young kids, dude. We gotta get you out of here. And so I'm sitting there talking with him and at the end we pray. And this guy, at the end of this prayer, he's got t- tears streaming down his face. And he looks up at me and goes, who are you? <laughs> but here's the thing. I had my name tag on. He didn't want to know my name. He could have seen my name. He said, who in the world just walked in here that didn't act like a nurse who come in here and started punching me in the leg, telling me, you're going to be all right. We're going to get you out of here. You've got more to live for. There's more this, this in you. This can be a testimony. And pray that I be healed. Do you know that man is with his family today? I mean, it's incredible. This, this story ain't about me, y'all. This is a story about lighting up rooms. It, looked like some, it looks like something. And guess what? They're not even my words. They're Jesus's. Let me show you Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to who? All who are in the house. Your light must shine before people in such a way that they see your good works and glorify who? Our Father who is in heaven. It's our job to be like Mary, go light up rooms, and do not keep Jesus to ourselves. You hear somebody say that every week when we talk about inviting. Don't keep Jesus to yourself. That's literally grab invites, bring somebody on the journey with you. Bring somebody on the journey with you, man. Tell your story. Um, be life-giving. I, I can't stand this phrase I hear sometimes where people say, well, my, my faith is private. No, no, your faith should never be private. Your faith can be personal, and it should be personal to you. It ain't never meant to be private. That's literally the exact opposite that Jesus just said. We, ain't gotta, not, we can't just talk about it. We gotta be about it too because everything you do communicates what you believe about God. Everything you do communicates what you believe about God. And here's another challenge too. I'm gonna give you, a, somebody in my life group said one time, they said, you may be the only Bible anyone ever reads. Ouch. You may be the only Bible anyone ever reads. It is our job to go light up every room we walk into. Amen? Amen. Cool. Let's keep going. Verse 46 through 55. So at this point in time, I don't know if you know Latin, but this is the Magnificant. This is where Mary's about to sing her song. And so Mary said, which I think is really funny. It's called Mary's song, but the Bible says Mary said. Anyway, doesn't matter. But, <laughs> and Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my savior. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bondservant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is to generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm and he has scattered those who are proud in their thoughts of their hearts. Ouch. 
He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has exalted those who are humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has given help to his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, just as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. The third thing I want you to write down is who's your song about? Who is your song about? Who's your song about this Christmas? Like I said, this is way more of a remix than an original. She's quoting scripture from Psalms. And I mean, she's even borrowing a little bit of this rhythmic flow as well, because she's, uh, there's a story in our Bible uh, where a woman named Hannah is singing for a song in 1 Samuel. And she's even like following this exact same flow that Hannah does. But um, speaking, I'm a sidebar really quick. So my daughter's name is Hannah. Can I tell you guys what she asked for for Christmas the other day? She asked for a butler. <laughs> and I'm like... You know what? I hope you get it. I'll get a couple hours of my week back if you can get that butler. You know what? Maybe we can get you a limo driver, a helicopter pad. What, what else do you need? You know, she's five years old. It was so funny. But anyway, all right, we're going to get back to work. Okay, here we go. So, um, so who's your song about? I want to give you two lyrical takeaways from Mary's song. I think you're going to help us out. For when it comes to Mary and her song, the gift reminds her of the giver. I love verse 49. It said, God has done great things for me. Holy is his name. She didn't say, God has done such great things for me. Look how great I am. She said, God has done great things for me. Holy is his name. James 1.17 says, all good things come from God. And here's the thing about it when it comes from God is uh, sometimes it doesn't look, look to us the way it looks to him. Sometimes good uh, to him looks a little bit different than it does to us in the temporal. But all good things comes from come from God. And what we have to do as believers is avoid the trap of worshiping the gift. It's our job to give glory to the giver. It's not our job to worship the giver. I'm glad you got that promotion if you prayed for it. I'm glad you got that material thing that you've been waiting out for for a long time. I'm glad he's came through in a very personal way for you. But you have to remember, it's our job to worship the giver not the gift. And we do it in kind of different ways sometimes. Have you, ever, have you ever said this? Like, God, if you'll do this, I'll do this, right? God if, you, God, if you'll help me get an A on this test, I swear I'll go into ministry, which I guess kind of worked out for me, right? <laughs> but we all do that. You know, God, if you can get me out of this mess, I'm gonna do all this for you. But God wants a relationship, not a transaction with us. You're going to swipe your card all Christmas. That's not what we're going to do with our Heavenly Father. He wants a relationship. He does not want a transaction. I love the fact, too, that the second lyrical takeaway that I love about Mary's song, and she does it twice. She talks about how God honors the humble, but he resists the proud. He honors the humble, but resists the proud. I want to show you Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23. It says, A person's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. Your pride will bring you low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. Humility is not thinking about, less about yourself, but about yourself less often. Does that make sense? And I think there's some ways that we can practice being humble. I think one of the best things we can do is honestly just be humble and give God the space to work. So uh, really quick, um, one of the best ways we can do that is allow God to be God and us not try to do it for him. Let God be the rule setter. So think about this. Remember the Adam and Eve story? Like Eve wants to take from this tree. It's the tree 
of knowing good and evil. That's how, we, that's how you see it in your Bible, right? But the words in Hebrew are tov and ra. Tov means good, ra means bad, but it doesn't always mean moral bad. Like there's a scene in Jeremiah where a basket of fruit is ra. And the basket of fruit doesn't have a soul, doesn't have morality, so it doesn't always mean moral bad. This is the great, this is the great word picture I use to explain this. Um, I want to go to Cantina 76 after church today for lunch, and I want three Peruvian shrimp tacos. They're the best thing you've ever had. It'll bring you closer to the Lord if you go have them. I promise you. And they didn't pay me to say that. Three shrimp tacos is good. 30 shrimp tacos, bad, bad, bad. Did the shrimp taco change? Mm-mm, mm-mm. It didn't change. The taco wasn't bad. And we have to give God space to be him. He gets to say what's right. He gets to say what's wrong. We can't just walk up to this line and just stand there on the edge of doing what we know is wrong. Like you ever had like your kid just, just hitting your seat behind you from a car seat and you're like, stop kicking me. And they're like, I'm not. And you look back and their, and their foot's like a, like a centimeter away from the back of the seat. And we do that with God all the time, right? Like, hey, I want to do what I want to do the way I want to do it, and I want you to be okay with it. And we do that all the time. But, but if we're going to be humble, then we have to give God space to be God. And sometimes it is, does feel a little offensive. That's a good thing, man. That means we're, going, we're growing closer and closer to him because if we can empty part of ourselves and our will, that means we get to adopt his. And one of the other ways we can be humble is we just got to love each other well. I mean, it's the Christmas season, y'all. We're going to be around family. We got the pressure of giving gifts. You're going to be around so many people in so many party settings and stuff. And we just got to be able to take care of each other and love each other well. The Bible, and the Bible even asks us to do that. It says to honor one another above ourselves. It's one of our core values too. We honor up, down, and all around. The word honor in your Bible means weight, worth, or value. So you know what I'm saying? When you honor somebody, it says, hey, I believe Jesus died for me, and I believe he died for you the exact same way, so I'm going to see you the way he does. I, I don't have to see you the way I do. I get to see you the way he does. He saw you worth dying for. He saw you worth giving a second chance. He calls you a son or a daughter, even when you don't feel like a friend to me, but I can honor you because of what Jesus has done, and that's how we honor above ourselves. So what I want to do, I want to land the plane really quick and just recap. God sees you no matter your story. He sees you exactly where you are today, no matter where you come from. We do have the mission to go light up rooms everywhere that we go, and we can make our song about Jesus this Christmas. Was this helpful to anybody today? Man, come on, let's go.